It's about that time, James. Training camp is right around the corner. Let's get into some of the biggest questions facing the Cincinnati Bengals in this year's camp. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. You can subscribe to this podcast on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you do, you'll be notified, of course, as the platforms do when we upload our content every day. So you can join that first listen club, make us your first listen on the way to work, or become an everyday or that much easier. You'll get a shout out just like those two groups do at the top of every episode. And James, today we're diving into training camp and a little bit more focus. We, we've talked about it in tangents. We've talked about it as something that's coming in the future all offseason because it really is that landmark that shifts you from offseason mode back to football is here. We're, we're talking about this season in earnest and Last week when we did our mailbag, Tony Lunt at Admiral Taskbar sent in a question, shout out Tony, that fits for, for really a whole episode. And this is why I said sometimes these questions turn into entire episodes, right? Which is essentially what are the biggest questions for training camp that will be answered before, during, and after is the way Tony phrased it. But really the question comes down to what are the biggest questions we have that we're going to be really focused on from a storyline perspective and what might those answers be? And that's how we're going to spend today's show. Yeah, in in there there are some questions certainly that that we'll get to, but I think if you look at all 32 NFL rosters, this Bengals team has the the littlest, the smallest amount of them, the the shortest list of questions or um, things that that are potential weaknesses at least right now, and I, I think that's a heck of a spot to be in. But yeah. No roster is perfect, even this time of year when everyone's optimistic. And the Bengals are, are no different. So I think naturally we should start with the, the offensive line, unless there's something else, uh, other questions that you have on tap. Because we could go a lot of routes with this, whether it's on the field or the off the field and the business side. Yeah, I just was going to say that you, you made a good point about the the type of questions we're talking about this year. We know most of these answers and most of the stuff we're talking about is on the margins of what matters to NFL success rather than the core thing. Like we're not asking a question, for example, that would shape a franchise's season. Like who's going to win the quarterback battle? Will Kenny Pickett start right away? Which was a question mm-hmm. the Steelers were asking last year in training camp, perhaps. Although, I think they were pretty married to Mitchell Trubisky at the start of the year. So we're not answering huge questions like that. And in terms of the biggest questions that we're expecting to be answered before camp, Joe Mixon was was one. That one now has been answered. We're not waiting for that answer anymore. I think the other one is is the extension stuff, and we're going to be watching those, I think, throughout training camp as well. And and just as far as Tony's question that we're not going to spend a ton of time on today, we'll talk about it more later in camp, is the questions that will be answered after camp, of course, are things like waiver claims. And and those questions 
will become more clear throughout camp as we get an idea of, you know, where injuries may or may not occur. And hopefully it's none, right? You're always hoping to get out of camp as healthy as possible and where deficiencies start to show up, where as camp goes on, you're like, ah, this thing didn't quite develop as we hoped it would. And some of these are things we're going to talk about today, but certainly the offensive line, I think, is a question. And how does this unit fit together with new tackles or tackles playing in new positions in the case of Orlando Brown and likely Jonah Williams? Because unless Lyle Collins surprises us and, and shows up healthier than we think he will for training camp and is ready to go, the the competition at right tackle as far as camp goes, I'm not sure is going to be much of a competition. We'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. I, I think that there will be opportunities, certainly, if Jonah Williams really struggles with that transition to the other side. But to me, a, a bigger point of interest with the offensive line is how does this group with two new tackles fit together? How does Cordell Volson develop? And how does this offensive line on the whole look when pads come on and in that first preseason game when they go, if they play, I guess, uh, when they go against real competition. They ain't playing. I'll break the news. They're not playing. You think that the I, starting offense is Joe Burrow really wanted to play last year? Don't care. Or two years ago. You that doesn't no. change. Okay. Zero chance. I would be shocked. Yeah. Right. But I, I would be. I think they get. Not even one if series. The, if the over under for total preseason steps for the starting offense is Joe Burrow's number nine, I will take the under. But what if it's three? Oh, I think they'll do a series. It won't be it won't be August twelfth or whatever it is, though. Yeah, not the It'll first be, game necessarily, but yeah, but I think they get one series total. Yeah, that, that's that's all I'm saying. One series. Yeah, uh, and and actually, I take it back. One one set of downs, just to be very clear. Oh, so I think them, it's three. Them even if they get a first down. Yeah, that was the plan the last time Joe Burrow played in the preseason. I, I guess so. Coming off ACL, a little bit different. I, sounds like it, right? But. I I think that that's just the case in general. I don't I don't think they they'll use that to evaluate the back end of the roster. And I I don't think that a, mm-hmm. the slow start last year had anything to do with that, especially with health and questions. Think about it. There's just questions about Jonah and his health and Lel. And I I think that that's where I would start with right tackle. Is is Lel going to be good enough to make it a competition at all for him? Because if it's Close to prime Lyle, he would be the favorite in that in that competition. That is unrealistic for a variety of reasons. One, last year, even when he was on the field, was not that. There were times when he was effective, no doubt, but he was not that. And then, obviously, coming off of an ACL, you had it repaired in January. Can he really be expected to, to be ready to go? I, I don't think so. And I, honestly, if you're him, you want to take it slow because Trey Hopkins sped it up and he was never the same and he was out of the league a year later. And, and it, it's tough. And I'm not saying they're the same skilled level or talent or anything like that. That's not the point, though. It, it's, it, it, it's tough to do. It's tough to, to come back that quick. And so I would expect him to start the year on the pup list if I had to guess. And it's pure, purely speculation, even though I've heard his recovery is going well. And so to your point, I know there's a Jackson Carmen hive out there, but I agree with you. I think it's Jonah Williams and really the storyline at right tackle is how does Jonah get used to right tackle? Does he, does he fare well? That'll be what I'm looking for. I know what Orlando Brown Jr. brings. He's the best left tackle Joe Burrow has had. It's the best guy they've had 
uh, at left tackle since, since uh, Andrew Whitworth. So I expect a lot of our, of Orlando Brown Jr. And so hopefully we uh, we see that early in camp. Yeah, and how does Jonah handle that transition is definitely a big question, right? Does he make it smoothly? How well does he play early on? Are we still asking questions of this offensive line in you know, three weeks from now? When I'm in Cincinnati in early August, are we looking at this offensive line like, Ugh. We, we were we were talking a big game all offseason. We were confident about these five guys, and, and now something isn't clicking because Jonah really hasn't taken the right tackle. And that's a question that will need to be answered, I think will be answered pretty quickly. And, you know, the, the position change thing, the, a lot of people talk about this that have played on the offensive line for some people. They can make that transition, and it's fine, and it's smooth, and it's easy. And for others, they really are not used to it, and, and it's a real issue to to switch from one side to the other side. Yeah, and and I I think I think he'll be fine because part of when they drafted Jonah Williams was man he can play anywhere, and that was just part of it. And they haven't partially because their offensive line has been so bad that they just needed him at left tackle and there were no other options. But I, I think he'll be a solid right tackle. And we'll see. He's got to prove it. Because if not, Lyle at some point will be healthy mm-hmm. and will certainly want to be on the field to get those bonuses that are in his contract. So uh, we will see there. But it's a question. And the other part is that that Cordell Volson question. Does he take a step? There's certainly mm-hmm. guys in that building and in that locker room that think he does. And if so... This offensive line, and we'll we'll dive more into the the offense this week, but this offensive line should be much much improved. Yeah, narrowing the gap certainly between where they are and the top of the league, getting closer to average above average the last couple of years. Seems like they're taking steps in that direction. And last year when they were healthy, they were a solid unit. It wasn't perfect, but it was it was at least it was at least solid. And, and, you know, some other things that will be interesting to watch in this offensive line, I'm not sure we'll get these questions answered in training camp, are the tantalizing sub-package future where you get Lael Collins if he's the extra tackle on the field. And if he's not healthy, we won't see it. But, you know, the, the extra tackle thing being Lael Collins versus the extra tackle being Jackson Carmen is also a fun idea to think about. But that's probably a little bit more into the future. Let's get back to some training camp-related questions. And, Maybe it's running back depth. This is something that we talked about with the Joe Mixon topic as well. There's there's some other questions as far as depth on the offense we can get into as well. We'll get into some of those coming up next. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is a one-stop shop for all things sports wagering. And you can take your first swing at betting on Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. So if you bet 20 bucks, you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend on everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. Hopefully it's the Reds and they get their offense back in gear because they've scored about three runs in the past 52 innings, and you can wager on all of those things at fanduel.com slash locked on all on an app that's safe secure super easy to use and you get paid instantly so sign up today at fanduel.com slash locked on to get up to 200 dollars in bonus bets that's fanduel.com slash locked on fanduel official partner of major league baseball some of the difficult questions facing the cincinnati bengals on the offensive side of the ball in training camp this year have to do with depth at a variety of positions and figuring out who's going to make this 53 man roster. But interesting as well is something that came up 
with that Joe Mixon conversation with the Joe Mixon reworked contract is who steps up at running back and how does that platoon work out? We talked about this a lot actually yesterday, James, but the question really is who will step up and be the Samaj P Ryan of this offense. And is it two guys at times? Is it somebody runs away with the job in, in the preseason and training camp? Do you give Joe Mixon a shot at this at pass blocking more? Like, do, do you think that that's even a discussion? My, my question to answer your question would be, how do you pilot that? Because typically you would try to work that out a little bit in the preseason, right? And are you asking Joe Mixon to go out there and play extra snaps in the preseason if, if you're not really playing the starters to, to see nope. if he can pass block? So if that's the case, how do you, how do you try to figure it out? I mean, you, you do, do it at, during it that joint camp. practice, that joint practice, I guess. Right. Yeah. I just, one. I just don't know if that's enough. I, I don't know. That, that's tough. I, mean, I I don't think we have enough information to make that call. If the coaches can, can see enough that, that they feel confident. Sure. But Mixon probably is what he is at this point. Right. Which is a plus runner uh, when he's, when he's on a good receiver and, physically capable of blocking, but just seems like the mistakes have been there consistently every year. Yeah. I, th- I think in an ideal world, he would do that because I think chase Brown can give you the running portion. Like I don't question that. I think if you had to hand it off to chase Brown 10 times tomorrow, he'd be fine and they don't run the ball a ton. And so I wish that it was that simple. And, and yet I, I think it's unlikely that Mixon takes over that role. And so to your point, is it a couple of guys? I think Travion Williams has the lead going into camp, but could Chase Brown overtake him? I think Chris Evans could certainly get in the mix if he shows some growth. So it's a a true competition. And I I think that the running back by committee is going to be more of a committee this year. And uh, and so we'll see. But yeah, it, it is a big question because they throw the ball a lot. Spoiler. And so pass blocking, even if it's, you know, however many snaps, that matters because those snaps could be the difference because it might happen on third and eight or third and 15 or or key downs in these games. And we know they go down to the wire with, you know, with these really good teams. We've seen it in the back-to-back years. And, and you know that, you know, Mixon was obviously hurt last year, but the snap split between Samaj Piran and Joe Mixon was 713 for Mixon to 556 for Piran. And Mixon missed a couple games, two and a half games or so. And that's part of it. And that includes the playoffs, I think, where in the playoffs, Piran was out-snapping Mixon, at least mm-hmm. against Kansas City. He only had eight fewer snaps against Buffalo, and he out-snapped against Baltimore, too. So it got to the point late in the year and in the playoffs where Piran was actually getting a little bit more run than Mixon. So these are significant snaps that the Bengals need to figure out how to replace Mixon will be part of that. I think Mixon will be on the, you know, he might end up taking five more snaps a game where maybe they would have had P Ryan on instead, assuming he's healthy, right? Cause part of, part of it is, is Mixon staying healthy. Uh, but outside of that, those pass blocking snaps are paramount for this offense. And, you look at the, the splits for those guys, they actually had a pretty equal amount of run block or, or, or of pass blocking snaps last year. So if it's only 66 
snap pass blocking snaps you need to replace for Samaj P. Ryan. And you're going to have Joe Mixon do the 64 roughly. And, and that was the split they had last year. Well, that that's 66 pass blocking snaps that are going to be important that, that these running backs are going to have to pick up who haven't had a ton of opportunities or any opportunities to do so in the NFL so far. Yeah. I, I think the other thing with this offense, just going back to OTAs that, that I'm going to be looking for in camp, how many, how, how much play action are we seeing? Mm-hmm. Clearly that's something that that was a theme. They would have to, to me, figure out this, this running back issue. Who's the pass blocking back. All of those things. Certainly if you're going to, to go that route and use more play action and rely on that and trust that. So that's, that's the other like wrinkle that's tied together to the offensive line to, to tie really the, all the questions about the offense going into camp. I think we know what a lot of these guys are, but how much do they implement this, this play action game? I think overall they're going to be what they are, but that would be nice if they could do that a bit more. We had Brian Callahan on last month and and he, and he talked about that. So it was it last month time flies, but uh, yeah. So I think think that that's, that's something that, uh, that I'll keep an eye on too. Just looking at different questions, play action dot, dot, dot question mark. How much, and it will be will it be a career high for Joe Burrow? Because obviously they haven't done much in recent years. Yeah, when we start to talk about the offense in more detail, that's certainly a big question. I think a bunch of sub package stuff is a big question. How are they deploying formations is is a question that we'll talk about. One, and, and I, I don't know if Mike and Lindsay talked about it, but I sent a question into the always game day in Cincinnati mailbag. Last week, how many snaps does Jamar Chase take in the back or in the backfield this year compared to last year? Is it more or less? Do you see more creative deployment of Jamar Chase in terms of alignment? And do the rookies Charlie Jones and Andre Yosevash enable any of that? Or are they part of that conversation? And I, I think when you look at depth on offense, you know, as far as questions that we'll talk about more, and and we're going to do these episodes this week, assuming no other major news breaks. You look at the wide receiver depth. You look at the end of the the offensive line room. You look at figuring out tight end depth. And and these depth questions are going to be pretty critical, I think, as well for for this team to answer as the season or as as the preseason as training camp goes on. But the defense has questions too, James. And and we should talk about some of those questions that will need answers because. You can talk about them at pretty much every position group. I think linebacker is one where I have the fewest questions. We'll see if we can come up with any questions for that linebacker group. But a couple of critical questions on defense and a punter battle? Question mark? Maybe we can talk about some of those questions to finish up the show here coming up next. All right, Jake. Let's dive into the defense. And there are some questions for sure. I I think the biggest one for most people is, is the secondary and specifically safety, that safety room looks a lot different this year with Dax Hill, Nick Scott set to, to be starters, Jordan Battle, Tyson Anderson, probably your, your 3-4 in some order, and Mike Thomas behind them. I, I mean, I have some questions just to see how they deploy these guys. I don't think it's going to be a bad room, though. And I, I think if, if this is their main weakness on defense, that they're going to be pretty darn good again. And, and so I, I, I think they're athletic versatile and it gives Lou Anarumo 
a, a little a, more of a chance to be the the mad scientist that he is at times. Uh, not that they won't give up big plays. They're young guys overall. So they'll give up some big plays, especially early in the season would not shock me. Teams are going to test them early. But I think they're going to be pretty good. Like, I, I don't think they're going to be a below average safety room. My expectation is average or better, which might not be fair, but it's I think it is reasonable when you look at the talent in that room. Yeah, there's it's plenty of athleticism and and plenty of intelligence, right? And it's just a matter of experience. And that's where you worry about are there some bumps in the road on the way? Because I, I think that Dax Hill was drafted where he was drafted for a reason, right? Nick Scott has started in the NFL, but neither of those guys have had the responsibility that Jesse Bates and Von Bell had in this defense, this defense scheme specifically for a full season. And so how does that communication come along where Von Bell was doing a lot of communication in that secondary? How do you replace Jesse Bates, who is consensus a top 10 safety in the NFL? Maybe it's not a bad unit. I don't think that they're, you know, I think that some of the weaknesses is a little bit overstated by some of the national pundits out there, but maybe we've, not we, you and I, but maybe Bengals analysts in general are are understating it. So maybe it's somewhere in the middle, right, uh, of those two things where there there will be some bumps in the road potentially. We, We don't know what kind of communication development will happen or or how that process will go you hope that it's just smooth and you hit the ground running and and these guys get the system because everyone else around them has been in the system it's really these are the two new pieces but outside of safety you know i also see people in the national media questioning cam taylor Britt quite a bit questioning the secondary in general and if jadobe awuzie is on track for his recovery the way that we think he is and he's ready to hit the ground running Maybe it's not immediately in training camp, but pretty quick in training camp. And and Cam Taylor-Britt continues his ascension because it was steady. It wasn't like a major roller coaster ride for Cam Taylor-Britt. As he got more experience, he played better. Pretty, pretty much linearly throughout the season. Like there weren't major dips in his play. There's maybe one or two bad games or, or tougher games for him down the stretch. But he showed up and made big plays consistently and more and more consistently as the season went on. And Mike Hilton, of course, is back in the nickel. On top of that, I feel better about their depth in the secondary this year. So I think that in general, this this secondary doom saying that you've seen a little bit or, or questioning that you're seeing where this is a weakness. I think um, SI just did their feature on the Bengals, their, their national feature, 32 teams in 32 days. And they said that the secondary is the biggest question. And maybe that's true, but I'm not really questioning the corners. I think it. Mm-hmm. I think it is really. How does the safety stuff work out? Do we see more three safety stuff? Is there is there an adaptation period there for for that last level of this defense in in the safeties? Because I, I feel pretty good about the corners and better about their depth at corner this year too. If Cheeto comes back and hits the ground running like we expect he will. Yeah. Cheeto, if healthy, the third best corner in the division, second. I mean, Denzel Ward, no one in Pittsburgh. Marlon, Marlon Humphrey, Humphrey, maybe. I, I would probably I, I think take a healthy could, Cheeto over him. You could who? Who else? Who I, else? I think you could argue Denzel Ward too, and 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 how those guys. Well, then stack up. Denzel's the best guy. He's the best. Uh, well, I think that's an argument based on down to down performance. I would be shocked, but 
fine but okay well then that's just another testament though right of where he's at and i think contract year i expect him you want to talk about expectations i just had like pretty high expectations for the the safeties and these young guys i expect cheeto to play like it's 2021 but better because he's been tested as that number one corner and it may take a few weeks like i'm not saying he's going to come back off the acl and just be cheeto but he looks so good and fluid and was moving great. It's a contract year. He's playing for that last big deal. I, and obviously you have the Super Bowl implications, all those things. Like, I think Cheeto's going to be really good. And I, I would expect him uh, to be ready early in the season and look like himself, I would say, by midseason, playing a, a, at a dominant level where maybe he gets beat some early in the year. And then by November, we look up, let's say December, and we're like, man, the whole month of November, Cheetah was was much better. And, and going into the postseason, he plays that that dominant role again. That's that's what I expect from him. And uh, he he played at a high level during their their playoff run, the interception in the Super Bowl, and uh, obviously losing him last year was a big reason why they weren't ma- able to make it back. Well, and he he was playing so well last year. He was playing at such a high level before the injury. And and what was crazy about it is they didn't really seem to miss a beat with Eli Apple stepping in, Cam Taylor Britt stepping in, and, and that secondary continued to play. Well, how much of that was what the safeties were able to cover up? Do the corners need to play better this year with with not having Jesse Bates back there, without having Bomb Bell helping to sort things out back there? Miscommunication is something that I think you're you're gonna have to be aware of. And and how does this team make sure that they're staying on the same page in that Lou Anarumo defense? And and that's something that they can work out through training camp. But also, I think it will be interesting to see what kind of sub-packages Lou Anarumo cooks up. And we'll get into this a little bit more when we talk about the defense as well. But their first three draft picks, again, on the defensive side of the ball, how and when do these guys get onto the field? How do they fare in training camp? Does Jordan Battle force himself onto the field a little bit more? Does Miles Murphy say, you know what? I'm, I'm ready to go out there and play 600 snaps this year. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to play a starter-sized role for this team and maybe he's not starting over Hendrickson or Hubbard, but maybe he's forcing his way onto the field. And and that's something that starts in training camp as well. Maybe that's in the form of some, some sub packages again, where he's out there with Hendrickson and Hubbard and maybe Joseph Osai or, or maybe Cam Sample in certain packages and that sort of thing. And so the rookies and, and how they're performing early DJ Turner, how, how he's looking as he's going to get to go against some of these really great receivers are certainly some things that I think are, are very interesting because part of the Bengal strategy this year, I think, is drafting for the future on defense where you have these expiring contracts. But another part of it is if you're spending your first three picks there and you feel like you got really good value in DJ Turner and Jordan Battle, which they do, are they going to force themselves onto the field as well? Yeah, I, I think Turner's the one where I, I – it it almost feels like the toughest path because you play so many different defensive ends and, and, and I, you know, maybe he kicks inside some, maybe you move Sam Hubbard inside. Like I could see the path where Murphy's just such a freak athlete that he can do that. But if, if Cheeto's healthy, Turner's really battling who like Sidney Jones for snaps as that fourth corner. I, I think that's kind of where you're looking and mm-hmm. maybe he beats him out, but Jones is no slouch now. And uh, so I, I think that that it, he's got the toughest path battle. He may be the third safety, may end up being the fourth. I'm not counting out Tyson Anderson, but they certainly are impressed with battle. And so we'll we'll see there. But yeah, those are 
like almost fringe fringe questions, but they're bigger questions because where you pick these guys. And it, it does feel like that most of them will be depth pieces initially. But if they do show up and play at a high level early on, they could force their hand a little bit because it's not like last year where you have all these veterans in the secondary where DJ Turner can't force Luan Rumo's hand a little bit. Like last year, Dax had a really good preseason. He was not playing and taking snaps from Von Bell or Jesse Bates. It was just not happening. So it, it is a little bit different this year, I think, for Battle and certainly for Turner. Yeah, and I think that we're scraping for questions too. Like most of this defense is the same. And that's why we spent so much time on the secondary where there are changes. And, and some of the questions that we have on the defensive side of the ball aren't questions that you can answer in training camp. Like interior pass rush is not a question that we're really going to answer in training mm-hmm. camp. We'll keep our eyes on Zach Carter for sure. Like if he's out there making splash plays, as far as splash plays go for interior defensive linemen, and, and as far as you can evaluate that in training camp, especially before pads come on, which is to say not at all. So when pads come on, uh, that that is something that we'll get some some – inclination about we'll have an idea of what way that might go but you really don't know with these guys until preseason games start happening as far and until regular season games start happening sure. really for for stuff like interior pass rush which is i think a question because dj reader is great and he was our best interior pass rusher last year as as a guy who he wasn't playing a bunch of zero tech last year he wasn't playing a bunch of nose tackle but he's playing a lot of two gap responsibility stuff in, in, or one and a half gaps, at least, in, in this defense. And so can they get a, a little bit more out of one of these guys on the interior from a pass rush perspective, or is that a place where we start to see Miles Murphy aligning? Like, these sub-packages are something that we can watch in training camp, and do they roll out the four defensive end, defensive line, essentially, in mm-hmm. training camp? Do we see some, some so. stuff like that? Do we see the three safety packages? In training camp, these are th- that's why that's why D sub packages is a note. If you're watching on YouTube, is a bullet point in the on today's show because those are questions that I think we can actually observe and answer in training camp. And I, I don't think we're going to have time today, James, to, to hit Brad Robbins and Drew Sample. Although that is certainly a question that I think will be answered in training camp, maybe early. Perfect. In I was camp. letting that marinate. I was letting that marinate as much as possible, so you you had time to correct yourself. If Drew Sample is battling Brad Robbins, there's a problem because Brad Robbins should kick his tail. It is a question that I think will be answered pretty pretty clearly, and and they don't I'm have talking, to make a decision early. You still but... didn't catch it. You said Drew Sample, man, not Chrisman. Oh, I said Sample. <laughs> and then I said it, and you still didn't catch it. <laughs> no. Locked oh, in. I mean, I'm like looking at the name, too. Yeah, Drew well, Christmas. We're, we're we're in regular season form here, James. Let's Me go. making errors on names—that's that's normal business here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. So yeah, if Drew Sample is pushing Brad Robbins, there's a problem. Yeah, Drew Christman and Brad Robbins. We'll get Christman. to it though. Special teams matters. It does matter. It does matter. will Money Mac bounce back? I don't think we're going to get that answer in training camp, but I'll give regardless, you the right now. You're very confident in Evan McPherson. Yeah, you already knew yeah. the answer. Yeah. So why even ask uh, the question? We, we've all got into these both sides of the ball, offense, defense, a little bit on special teams, and more depth this week because a lot of these fringe 
roster battles I think are very interesting and and we don't have you know those conversations we haven't had those conversations yet and so getting into some of the roster battles and and where some of these most interesting roster battles are going to be on both sides of the ball are going to be very interesting and some of the dark horses on both sides of the ball and and who we think might emerge as sneaky roster candidates sneaky pushing for playing time candidates i think those will be interesting conversations as well and we'll continue to do that this week and we're also expecting some news on the bengals ring of honor sometime this week as well which will spur some conversation as well so we'll have all that coming this week training camp like i said right around the corner and we're just going to keep ramping up for james and thanks for listening to this episode of the lockdown bengals podcast and until next time who day and have a good one